the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy, we're encouraged to get on our knees. According to Paul, you can be anxious for nothing, prayerful in everything, thankful for anything, and as a result, the peace of God, the hush of heaven, will guard your heart. These are serious and scary times. But here's the wonderful thing. Knees don't knock when you're kneeling on them. Some people exhaust every human solution before they drop to their knees. Yet God tells us that prayer should be our first response. Welcome to Know the Truth with pastor and Bible teacher Philip DeCourcy. As mentioned in yesterday's special interview with Pastor Philip, today we're beginning the series titled Maximum Security with a message called Get on Your Knees. The world may be in turmoil, but we can find safety, security, and peace in Jesus Christ. Today's message is from Philippians chapter 4. And here's Philip. We're in a series entitled Maximum Security. We have been facing the real threat of ISIS and Islamic terrorism within our nation. In fact, I believe several who are high up in the intelligence agencies sat before some select committees in the Senate and the House, not talking about if, but talking about when the next ISIS attack will come. And that's the kind of day we're living in. And there's a lot of anxiety and fear about that. And we have tried to address that in this series. And we're beginning to look at things that will help relieve our anxiety. We've kind of scared ourselves for several weeks by looking at the threat and its character and its tactics. But now we're beginning to look at some biblical passages that will help us find peace. And one of the best paths to peace is prayer. And we see this here in the passage we're about to look at. Take your Bible, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. I want to speak on the subject, getting on your knees. When life brings you to your knees, you're at a good place. Because then you can pray. And that's one of the best things you can do. When you can't stand life, kneel. Because knees don't knock when you're kneeling on them in prayer. And so this is what Paul's going to teach us. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, follow along. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What a wonderful word from God for days of trouble and terror. It was 1992, and I jumped on a British Army helicopter out of Inniskillen in Northern Ireland. I was making a short and dangerous trip to cross McGlenn RUC and Army Base. As we touched down, 
We were met by a large gable wall inside this fortified station. It had the emblems of the Royal Ulster Constabulary and the badge of whatever British regiment was serving alongside them at that point. And above these emblems were the words of Bobby McFerrin's song that was so popular in 1988, Don't Worry, Be Happy. And I think it was meant to kind of put us at ease because we were now in banded country. We were in South Armagh where the IRA was really strong. So strong that the only way into the police station was by helicopter. And so we landed there and we were greeted by these kind of reassuring words. Don't worry, be happy. But if you really thought about it, it was just a bunch of psychological mumbo jumbo because there wasn't much to make you happy. And there wasn't much to relieve your worry because outside the gates were men conspiring to kill you. And so there wasn't much to be happy about and there was much to be worried about. In fact, the reality of that came home to me several weeks later when I left there. I was watching the BBC News and news broke that there'd been a shooting in Cross McGlen in South Armagh. And later that night, we learned that a young police officer who I'd sat down and talked to during my visit to Cross McGlen RUC base had been shot dead by an IRA sniper. Kind of puts words like that into perspective. Don't worry, be happy. But the question is, is that possible? Is it possible to not worry and be happy in all kinds of circumstances? Circumstances where you face trouble and you face terror. Is it possible to arm yourself with a sense of peace and safety when you live in the crosshairs of IRA gunmen and terrorists? I believe it is. But you won't find that from the words of Bobby McFerrin. You'll find it from the words of the Apostle Paul. Because in the passage we have read, Paul encourages those to whom he writes to not worry and to be happy. We read verses 6 and 7, but back up into verse 4. What does Paul say? Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Skip down to verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Be happy. Don't worry, says Paul. Don't worry. Be happy, says the apostle who's writing from a prison cell. It's AD 61, and he's not sure if he's going to live or die. It kind of adds some force to his words. He's living it. He says in chapter 1 of this letter, hey, You know, I might be released because of your prayers. And if that's the case, I want to keep on ministering the gospel. If I'm going to remain in the flesh, I'm going to do it for your benefit. But you know what? If Nero takes my life, then I can say this. For me to live as Christ, to die is gain, to be with Christ far better. So if I stay, I'll minister, I'll keep blessing you. If I go, believe me, that's not the short straw. I'm going to be with Christ. So I want to tell you, I'm happy. I'm not anxious. And so I'm encouraging you when you get this letter from Epaphroditus not to worry and not to be anxious because, you see, they were living during the era of the unfolding persecution of the madman Nero, who before long would light his gardens with Christians set on fire. These were anxious days for the church. But Paul writes and tells them, be anxious for nothing, be prayerful about everything, be thankful for anything. I got that little outline from Guy King, an old Anglican minister who wrote a wonderful little book on the book of Philippians. And that was his outline. That's a great prescription for life. Think about it. 
Be anxious for nothing. Be thankful for anything. Be prayerful about everything. Now, these are serious and scary times. We've already acknowledged that in our opening few messages. I mean, added to the moral direction of our country, added to a sluggish economy where we wonder, will there be sustainable jobs for our children and for ourselves? Added to that, the mountain of debt that could collapse on top of us at any time, you have Islamic terrorism, both abroad and now increasingly at home. And these are scary and these are serious times. And we wonder and we worry, is there another 9-11 just around the corner? We wonder when the next random attack is going to take place. You had that shooting of the police officer in Philadelphia. We had San Bernardino just up the road. We had this machete-wielding Islamist in Columbus, Ohio. When's the next one going to take place? Is it going to affect me or mine? We worry about what we know, and we worry about what we don't know. I came across a quote by former Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld, who at a Pentagon briefing said this, There are the known knowns. These are the things we know that we know. There are the known unknowns. That is to say, there are things we know we don't know. But then there is the unknown unknowns, the things we don't know that we don't know. That's kind of the world we live in. And it's scary. We're frightened by what we know. And then there's the unknown unknowns. We're frightened by what we don't know. But here's the wonderful thing. If we get on our knees, knees don't knock when you're kneeling on them. And according to Paul, you can be anxious for nothing, prayerful in everything, thankful for anything. And as a result, the peace of God, the hush of heaven will guard your heart. So let's look at this text. Three things. If you're taking notes, the first thing we see is panic prohibited. Panic prohibited. Look at verse 6, part 1. Be anxious for nothing. Paul communicates here that anxiety is unbecoming of a Christian under any circumstances. Let me say that again. Worry, anxiety, fretting is unbecoming of a Christian under any circumstances. It's absolutely forbidden. There is no wiggle room. Don't be a worrywart because that's unbecoming of a follower of Jesus Christ who said in John 14, 27, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives it. This is an imperative in the Greek. Jesus himself echoes this back in the Gospels in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 25 to 34, where he says to his disciples, don't worry about tomorrow what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on. Your heavenly Father knows the things you have need of. You seek first the kingdom of God. You take care of God's business, and God will take care of your business. And I stop worrying. One of my favorite quotes of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great English expositor, is his definition of faith. Write it down and tattoo it in your memory. He said, faith in God is a refusal to panic. It's one of my favorite quotes. And Paul is arguing that. He's writing to the saints in Philippi, and he says, you who have faith in the Lord Jesus, you need to not panic. Don't be anxious, because faith in God refuses to panic. Because you see, if the God of peace gives you his peace, that's a peace that's not disturbed or ruffled. Is God ever in a panic? No, 
And if you enjoy his peace, you're going to refuse to panic. Now, as we look at this prohibition, two things. What is being forbidden and what is not being forbidden? Number one, worry, anxiety, illegal concerns are forbidden. You and I must never live in a state of distraction or paralysis. In fact, the Greek word here for anxious is a word that comes from a root that means torn. It means pulled in different directions. And that's what worry is. Worry is a divided mind and a divided heart. That's why when you read about peace in Isaiah 26 verse 3, what's the secret of peace? I will keep them in perfect peace. It's a double in the Hebrew. It should be literally translated peace, peace. But the point is, this is such a peace, it's perfect. I will keep him in peace, peace, what? Whose mind is stead on me. We just sang, stead upon Jehovah. But you see, worry is the opposite. Worry is a mind that can't settle on truth. Worry is a mind that panics. Worry is a mind that's drawn in all kind of directions. What if, what if he does this? What if, the, what if this happens? What if that happens? And before you know it, you're shuttling between all these ideas and it's driving you crazy and it's robbing you of peace. That's what Paul's talking about here. Look at Luke 10, 38 to 42 and the story of Martha and Mary. I love that little vignette in Luke's gospel. And when Jesus gets there, Mary makes a choice and she sits at Jesus' feet and hears his word and she's undisturbed. Her sister doesn't get it. She's all upset. She's trying to, you know, make the tea and get the scones and get the cream and jam. And Mary's in there. You know what? You know, stop being a theologian here and get into the kitchen and help us all. And Jesus says, Martha... Martha has to say it twice to get her attention. Why? Because she's distracted. She's worried, anxious, torn in all kinds of directions. In fact, Jesus will say that. Martha, you're troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen it. She's sitting at my feet, hearing my word. So you've got the contrast between the one person whose mind is singularly focused on Jesus Christ with the other person who's going off in all kinds of directions. One is at peace at Jesus' feet, and the other one's running up and down the hall of the house and pulling her hair out. That's what worry is. Worry is a distracted mind. Worry is a mind that's not focused on God. If you want a kind of an idea of what worry is, just in practical terms, it's mental ping pong, you know? Mental ping pong, where you go from one idea to the next idea. Yes, but no. I see that, but could be, but then, what if? I think so, but I'm not sure. And on and on this argument goes in your mind. Mental ping pong. I know that to be true, but. I know Jesus said that, but. Totally distracting. Divides your mind, robs you of peace. You keep chasing problems to a point of mental exhaustion. And you know at the end of the day, what that is, that's a lack of faith. I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stead on me, who trusts me, says God through Isaiah. Or let's go to the Lord Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount again. In Matthew 6, 30, what does he say to his worried disciples? who have left their nets to follow him, who have given up their livelihood. There's no social service check coming in their direction anytime soon. These guys are out on a limb. Where are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? What are we going to drink? 
Now, guys, don't worry. Your father knows the things you have need of. And if you do worry, it's a lack of faith. Doesn't he say that to them? Oh, you have little faith. Because you see, anxiety and faith in God are polar opposites. That's why it's unbecoming of a Christian to be a worry wart. It's just not acceptable. Because you have a father. I don't know about you. I didn't grow up stressing out whether when I got home, mom wouldn't have cooked the dinner, there wouldn't be a nice meal sitting on the table. I didn't stress out wondering when I got home, would my dad be there, would the house be closed and then gone? No, I was too busy playing soccer with my friends in the afternoon. Wasn't even worrying about homework, let alone those things. <laughs> I'm out playing soccer, man. Imagine in the World Cup and the FA Cup and me scoring the winning goal. That's the stuff you worry about when you're 13 or 14. I didn't stress out because, you see, I had a good mom and dad, a great mom and dad, who still are that to this day. Dad was up in the morning off to work. Got the money, gave it to my mom. She bought the groceries, kept the house. You didn't worry about food or clothing. It was always there because you had a good father and you had a good mother. And when you've got that, you don't worry when you're a teenager. Only thing you worry about is them ever leaving you. That's what you worry about. You got it good. And isn't that the argument of the Lord Jesus? Don't be like the Gentiles who worry about these things. Your heavenly Father knows what you've need of. What are you children stressing about, says God? I'm your Father. I'll take care of you. You know that little poem that somebody wrote in the light of what Jesus says there about go and look at the birds of the air? Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think it must be that they have not a heavenly father who cares for them like you and me. That's what's being forbidden. But secondly, what's not being forbidden? What is being forbidden is self-centered, faithless, counterproductive worry. That's what's being forbidden. That distracts you, that is a lack of faith that paralyzes you, that you become ineffective, a bit like Mary. Mary's troubled about many things. She's not getting it done. And Jesus has to say, Martha, Martha, come here and let's talk about this. But I'll tell you what he's not forbidding. That's legitimate concern. Don't misunderstand what Paul is saying or what I'm preaching. Paul wants us to be carefree. Be anxious for nothing, not careless. This verse doesn't allow us to shirk our obligations or our responsibilities. Paul's not advocating a theology of let go and let God. No, he says there is a place for legitimate concern. In fact, go back to chapter 2 and verse 20. He writes to them about Timothy. Here's what he says in verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. Let's stop there. Paul's concerned about them. Even we could use the word he's worried about them with a small W. I'm concerned about you guys. I want Timothy to come. Come back and tell me how you're doing. I want to know your state. So he's anxious and concerned about them in a proper manner. And then, but look at what he says about Timothy. For I know no one like-minded who sincerely cares for your state. Mark the word care. It's the same Greek word as anxiety in chapter 4, verse 6. See, this is a word that has a legitimate use and an illegitimate use. You see, remember, God doesn't want us careless. Okay? 
God wants fathers thinking about how they provide for their family. God wants mothers who are all over those children and thinking about their health and their safety and their upbringing. God wants pastors who think about the spiritual well-being and sanctification of their church. And God wants evangelists who think about the fact that today people are perishing without the gospel. God wants people like that. He wants us to be concerned and care about people. And he wants us to do what he's called us to do, but he doesn't want us trying to do his job. And he doesn't want us to get to a state of paralysis and worry where we become ineffective and we lose our faith in God. You've got the same word in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 28, if you want to write it down, where Paul talks about all that he went through, shipwreck, hunger, nakedness, imprisonment, peril from evil men. And then he says, and then on top of that, I'm concerned about the churches all day long. I think about Galatia and the Judaizers. I think about the Thessalonian church and this idea some of them are taking the doctrine of the second coming to an impractical level. He's constantly thinking about the dangers Christians face and the possibility that the churches he started might fail, that they run in vain. When I first preached a message on this passage some years ago in a study I did on Philippines, a sweet girl in our church in Ohio sent me an email after the sermon and service said, Pastor, thanks for the message. I struggle a little with worry and anxiety. And given this distinction I talked about, she says, I battle with good worries going bad. That's a good little statement. And Paul would want us, look, there's good worry. That's being concerned and anxious about the right things in the right way at the right time in the right proportion. But good worries can become bad. Like a mother who's concerned about her child's safety, but she becomes so anxious, she locks the kid up and doesn't let the kid out the door out of fear of what might happen. Or they can hardly let the kid out of their sight because there's such anxiety. Maybe that's not the best analogy, but I think you know where I'm going with that. There comes a point where you're worried about your business and the payroll. You're worried about your children and the future. Do worry in a good sense, but don't let the good worry become a bad worry. At what point do you give your children to the Lord? At what point do you give the business's prosperity to the Lord? Having done all that you can legitimately do, you say, Lord, I leave it in your hands. This is your business. These are your children. We're your family. That's a good word. Paul wants us to be carefree, but not careless. You're listening to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today's message is called Get on Your Knees. You can listen again or check out companion resources when you visit ktt.org. You might know that Philip DeCourcy is no stranger to the effects of terrorism on one's country, family, and friends. He served as a reserve police officer in Northern Ireland at a time when violence erupted daily on the streets of Belfast. He shares those experiences and more in his newest book titled Take Cover. And you can be one of the first to receive this book when you support the ministry of Know the Truth today. When you make a generous one-time donation or sign up to become a monthly Truth Ambassador, we'll put you on the list to get a copy of Take Cover just as soon as it's released later this month. It's a book you'll want to read yourself and then pass on to a friend or co-worker. Make a donation and ask for the book when you call 888-644-8811 or donate online at ktt.org. And you can also write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, 
Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And thank you for your generosity. Know the Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and it's your donations that enable us to proclaim God's truth to men and women in your city and in cities across the country. Again, call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And this month, whether you give or not, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us today and tell us how Know the Truth is impacting your life. When you do, we'll send you a Take Cover bookmark. It lists some of the key principles that Philip shares in his new book. Ask for the free Take Cover bookmark when you call 888-644-8811. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Tomorrow we'll hear another important message from our series titled Maximum Security. Listen to Philip DeCourcy Thursday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. An exciting new book from Regnery looks at the power of love and intimacy from a godly perspective. It's called Love and Sex, A Christian Guide to Healthy Intimacy. Sex is powerful. Just saying the word can stir up all kinds of emotions inside people. Maybe it's a positive emotion for you or a hurtful, shameful, confusing one. It's no wonder we humans struggle to understand its meaning and purpose. Hi, I'm Nancy Houston, a sex therapist, leadership coach, and licensed professional counselor. After counseling hundreds of clients about the topic of intimacy, I decided to write Love and Sex, a Christian guide to healthy intimacy. Love and Sex is filled with life-changing, compelling stories to help us all reconnect to love and is biblically based on the truths of God's Word. Get your copy now of best-selling author Nancy Houston's compelling new book, Love and Sex, a Christian guide to healthy intimacy. Available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. WAVA value. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.